The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. Good afternoon, everybody. It is currently about 3.30 p.m. on Thursday, February 22nd, as I am recording this. I hope everyone's having a good week so far. Um, kind of a rough betting day for us today. Uh, ended up down minus 2.905 units. Uh, backed a lot of dogs in a couple spots, and the dogs were just completely lifeless today. Absolute no-shows from Thunder Talk and Rare Adam, who kind of just rolled over and died, other than Zhao Zhu at the end of that, that game, too, with the, the 1v9 Aatrox situation. Um, frustrating betting day. EDG kind of, like, a lot of the stuff we bet today was, like, contingent on the underdogs being competitive, and the favorites went a perfect 10-0, and we didn't get a single competitive game in these 10 games. Like... This happens like like not every every slate's going to be that interesting, and this was a handful of heavy favorites. But when both of the closer to even money series, like the Thunder Talk and the Rare Adam series, were both like you know closer to even money, like minus two hundred or less, and when both dogs in those situations completely no showed, it was like oh holy shit, this is just going to be. I- I don't remember the last time we got a 10-game slate where not a single game was really competitive or interesting. So uh, I don't want to say interesting. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, EDG did their thing again. They kept game one kind of close. At one point in this game, it was like 9-7. to But the way Ninjas in Pajamas ended this game, they had to like get multiple aces and this game ended up 24-13 just somehow. It honestly it looked like it looked like they were going to like split push for the win. Like they pulled EDG out of their base with no teleports because EDG prior to this in in game 1 like literally blew two teleports on their on their carry support Nautilus and their top laner to try to kill a full health Udir that was running away from their base. Yeah, just Soak that in for a second because, like, I understand that they're desperate and they need to throw Hail Mary and they were losing their game. They were down huge in this game. But, like, this ain't it. Like, this team is this team is very bad. Like, very, very bad. Like, they might be the worst we've seen in a little while. Um, they were never really up in this game, but they had a shot at getting the cover for us. And um, it ended up... Just I, it's always the most frustrating thing when these games happen because I know all the DFS players are frustrated too because the the favorites were already dominating today, and then it was looking like anybody that faded ninjas and pajamas was going to get paid off a little bit, but then they just ended up like kill farming the end of this game. Like they ended up like pulling them out of the base, acing them outside of the base, and then they couldn't end on that split push, so they had to ace them again, and it ended up like 24-13. So we didn't get our kill spread home. We did get the minus 1.5 for the series home. This is, By the way, this is why I don't usually try to thread the needle and play both like that. It's like playing a double result, essentially, in um, like a traditional sport. Like it's, it's a parlay. It's a parlay of, you know... It's why, you know, I thought in this specific case I had an edge on both sides, so I played it. But this is why you don't do this that frequently because it's it's pretty hard to thread the needle sometimes. It was looking like it was going to work out, but we didn't get there on that. 
Uh, maybe of these 10 games today, the most competitive one was the first uh, LCK game between D-plus and Firex. Firex was kind of chippy in this one, kept it close. D-plus didn't really blow out a huge lead until, like, later, you know, mid-20s minutes. But they had a, a Senna Azir scaling comp, and it was, uh, like, they were never really under threat of losing these games. But, yeah, just the way it goes. Interestingly, though... Um, Showmaker brought out the tank Azir. So there's a guy on the Korean ladder. Uh, I, I was not aware of this. I, I haven't been like diligently like going over the ladder stuff like I did during my grinding days. But um, there's a guy on the Korean. He actually referenced this in the post game interview. But there's a guy that's gotten pretty high up on the Korean ladder, one tricking tank Azir. And it's got a lot of the pro players' attention right now. Basic premise for this is Azir. A lot of playing Azir is you you play sort of like an 80 carry that also has this secondary mode of like being able to look for engages or look for huge ultimates with you know with your ult that can that can break the game. Whether that's through like it's the the reason good players like Azir and teams like Azir is that he's kind of modal. He's very safe in lane, he's got shove, he does high damage, and he has a lot of utility because you can end up using the ult as a peeling device when you're behind or when you need to protect your backline. Or you can use the ult as like an engage tool if you're ahead, and that modality and versatility really just makes him just a great blind. He also doesn't have that many like severe counters. Like his worst counter picks are manageable matchups. The idea with the tank Azir is normally when you're playing Azir, uh, you have to decide first of all whether you're going to get a Zonia's or not or a stopwatch or not, and that's a significant like detour in your DPS build. So like. If you're gonna if you're gonna build Azonias on Azir, it's a, it's a a pretty big hit to your damage output. So if you're playing like Azir in like a two core composition where you need to be a primary damage dealer, you really don't want to be getting Zonias if you don't have to because just the the half item build for it is not very good for your damage. Like getting the arm guard for it is good for protection, but it's not for you know it's not for your damage. So having to like sidetrack and delay your damage output for a long time and when you do that like it it kind of messes up, up your scaling curve a little bit like you you push it you push the uh the scaling down the road for another item and often his ears get stuck in this weird situation where they want the zonias because the zonias gives you some amount of the modality i was talking about earlier to like the ability to go in do an offensive ult for an engage and then zonias to protect yourself once you're in there but even after you do that, there's a lot of times where you're left in this awkward spot where you're in the middle of the fight. Um, Zonia's still pretty good against dive situations, but what this guy's theory is, more or less, and, and Showmaker referenced this in the interview, is if you build him tank, like lots of health and armor, and obviously the tanky items like Frozen Heart and Rooker are really, really broken right now, but the idea is in situations where you can build him tank and where like Frozen Heart or Rookern, especially Frozen Heart, would be very good. You want, like, it's actually good to have on him because you can do like a health AP item like Leandry's first. And you can do Grasp to stack health too. And especially against melee laners, like he was against Yone in this first game and the Grasp was great for laning against him. So I kind of just like that part of this tech. But um, the idea with the tank, Azir, is you can more patiently wait for ultimates so you can just like do damage you might not be doing as much dps but you're still doing 
good enough damage. Like he he literally said in the interview, he's like, you just need to do enough damage. This this comes back to the conversation I talk to all the time, or I talk like I bring up all the time about like theoretical DPS versus functional DPS, right? And this is why people play stuff like Lucian and stuff like that because like your damn your DPS uptown like uptime sometimes matters more than like the raw min maxing DPS because not every situation is clean and perfect, right? So the idea here is that you have upside you have uptime for your DPS to happen, even if it's a lower damage per second, it's higher uptime, so you're net going to do like a similar amount. And the tank is here makes it like it makes you so you don't have to sit there and wait for like and think about like the perfect timing for an ultimate. You can actually just stand there. You can take a hit or two, not have to worry about getting chunked all the way down or one shot from like one cooldown rotation from something. You can kind of take a hit, wait for the right time for an ultimate. You can also kind of frontline for your AD carry, use the alt as appeal device, and you know, you can wait for the perfect time to do that. You can also just like go in and you're not going to get insta-gibbed and you still have DPS uptime after you ult everybody and they turn back on you. So it's kind of an interesting thought. I, you know, I don't know if it's good, but I think in specific spots it could be good. Uh, like in this situation, in game one, he was going up against Camille, Sejuani, Yone, Varus, and um, Maokai. That's four diving champions. It's also a very, very heavy physical damage team. Like you have Yone's got partial... Uh, you have, you know, Camille does some true. Sedge and Maokai have, like, mag magic damage on their abilities, but it's not it's not a substantial amount. So just health and a bunch of armor, like, they're not going to be able to kill you. So that's what he ended up taking advantage of in this. And I, th I don't know, I think it might be okay. I don't think it's going to be a thing you see every game, but I think there's specific spots where it's going to be great. And um, pretty cool. Pretty cool dark technology. Showmaker's always been one to kind of bust out new stuff once in a while, so it was kind of cool to see it. I think specifically in these two drafts, especially the first game, it was it was pretty good. And for the record, he still he did the most damage in these games, and he was he built one damage item and then two tank items. So keep that in mind. It's kind of it's just interesting. Again, like I don't know if it's optimal. I think in most situations, we're gonna if we end up seeing this, I bet we're gonna see situations where people are doing it when it's not good. And it'll make it look bad. But in a spot like this where there's a ton of dive on the enemy team and you have better scaling and all you need to do is like enough and kind of front line for your AD carry like the Senna he had, I think it's going to be an interesting look and we might see it once in a while. Especially given that Senna is getting played a ton right now. So I think we'll probably see it. Anyway, betting day was kind of rough. Favorites won. 10-0. 10 non-competitive games. Really kind of a lame League of Legends day outside of Faker busting out this tank Azir. Or not Faker, Showmaker bringing out this tank Azir. So that was kind of cool. All right, moving on to Friday's Eastern Slate. The first match of the day we have tomorrow is, we'll start with the LCK. Um, week 5, day 3 in the LCK. Kwangdong Freaks, minus 560 on the money line, minus 1.5 at minus 149. Against OK Brion Savings Bank, plus 403 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at plus 123, minus 1.5 at plus 1064. Um, so I'm playing the Kwangdong map sweep here, uh, minus 1.5 maps at minus 149 for a double stake. This is a two-unit play. I'm also going to be playing the map 1 and map 2 under 12.5 towers at minus 217 each for one unit each. Um, Kwangdong are pretty good. I think there's a reasonable case that you could say they're the number 4 team. or Most people would probably put them at number 5. It just depends on how you feel about KT and Hanwha. Um, I don't, I'd probably put them closer to 5 or 6 personally, but 
I think this team is is pretty good, and they're not getting the respect of the general public because I don't think people kind of see them as a league-winning upside kind of team. But if you look at the data and you look at how they've played, I think they're a lot more stable of a team than they're getting credit for. They've mostly taken care of business against the teams worse than them. They dropped a game to Fear X, but other than that, they're beating everybody that's lower than them in the standings. And um, they've had some competitive games against the top of the table as well. Right now, they're great. They have the fourth graded economy overall, um, fourth graded agnostic economy overall, or fifth graded economy overall, fifth uh, fourth graded agnostic economy overall. Um, they've got solid objective control and almost like more than like 75% of their losses are quality losses. Half their, you know, half their wins are quality wins as well. And, um, you know, they have a very strong closing rate, 87.5% uh, of their games won when they're leading at 20 minutes. So, you know, that's better than like some good teams just for the record. That's, that's a lot better than, you know, like most of the time you get, Good teams are in that 65 to 75 range, so pretty cool. Um, they've really only had one terrible loss this season, which is which is another thing worth pointing out. Um, yeah, I, I just think like there's a huge quality difference here. Brion, you know, they they switched up to the bottom lane to uh, Sandra and Polu, and it looked good for like the first that first series that they were in. But they turned right back into a pumpkin in their next match, and they look just like the the Eeyore team, like the depressed team that's just kind of rolling over and dying and has no no teeth whatsoever in their next match. And I think that's kind of maybe that's just what we're going to see from this team until they make more changes. Um, I think it's just going to be one-way traffic for Kwangdong here. If you want to double dip on this, you could play the kill spreads. I don't know if I trust Kwangdong to cover a big kill spread yet, especially because Brion tend to be an under team, not a feeding kind of team. The angle to look at here is like the the over game times. Um, Kwangdong tend to take a long time, even against the lower lower table teams. They've tended to take their time. They've only had two games under thirty three minutes in all of their games against the bottom of the table so far. Um, I opted to play the towers under in this one. Um, only eighteen, like less than eighteen percent of all of Brion's games are actually going to at least thirteen towers, and you're getting an implied price just over sixty eight percent which is a pretty nice edge, so I played the tower unders here. I think this is probably just one-way traffic for Kwangdong. I think they're just going to dominate both these games, so I, I, I double-staked the spread as well. So strong play on Kwangdong tomorrow is probably going to be my biggest position. The second series on Friday morning in the LCK is Hama Life Esports, minus 1476 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at minus 273, against Nongshim Red Force, plus 865 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at plus 217, minus 1.5 at plus 1821. The last time out, Nongshim actually got a game off of Hanwha. They are one of the few dogs that have done that in the past year plus uh, with this Hanwha uh, lineup. Um, it took a literal ninety, like it took literally the best game that Nongshim have ever played as this organization. Well, with this iteration of this roster, so the last two years, it took literally the best game that they've ever played for them to do it. But they did get there, and. Um, Respect to that. I, I want to do a quick shout out to to Sylvie and uh, kind of Nongshim, I guess. They they've definitely done better than I expected them to. I, I really thought this this team, unless Call Me was a god, I thought this team would be a dumpster fire. And Call Me honestly has been kind of hit or miss, but um, Sylvie just keeps getting better, and he's he's been great. And um, you know the games where he's able to pop off, and he's able to do that. Once in a while, because Jiwoo pulls a lot of band like bands on his really weird random eighty carries and the Nila and all that kind of stuff. So, 
they can get you. This team's competent enough to get you. So maybe they're just like dumpster fire plus. Like they're better. I think they're they're definitely better than DRX and and Brion at this point. That said, like this is still a team that's only leading at twenty minutes in twenty eight point six percent of their games. So like optimism, you know, temper the optimism a little bit. Um, it's like a perfect game for them to get one off of Hamwa last time. I think if you want to take the underdogs here, you can play them on map two plus eight and a half kills is probably the best way to go rather than like the map spread. I'm just going to go ahead and, and chalk donkey this and overpay for Hamwa to sweep. Uh, Hamwa life minus 1.5 maps at minus 273 for one unit. I know it's like against everything you're supposed to do in handicapping, but like I just I don't see it. Like you can jump out to leads on this team, but like I just don't trust Hamwa to even close when if they get a lead because it took a like a literal perfect explosion game for them to get them last time. And Hamwa are playing relatively clean League of Legends right now, so yeah, it's it's a little weird that we're having to pay even more than we did last time, but I'm I'm doing it, so pay to see it. Moving on to the LPL. Uh, we have three matches again tomorrow. We have the first match is uh, week four, day six, is Fun Plus Phoenix minus 150 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 197, plus 1.5 minus 446. Against LGD Gaming, plus 124 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 246, minus 1.5 at plus 333. It's only going to be the second time that Fun Plus are favored in a match. This is the fifth match where LGD are coming in as underdogs. LGD have performed masterfully against the map spread, going 4-1, and one, covering that. However, they've only gone 1-4 and four as, um, as underdogs, um, usually against good teams. I talked a lot about LGD last time. Um... An interesting dynamic with this team is they're actually they're very very consistent and their their macro is surprisingly good for a team. Their macro like from a deficit is surprisingly good for a bottom tier team. Usually in the LPL, the bad teams kind of just get steam like they they just eat haymakers like we were talking about the boxing analogy yesterday. They don't do a good job of minimizing losses. They don't do a good job of trading cross map. So when they get behind, they just kind of lose. Um now, LGD haven't been particularly good with a lead, but they have had a lead in more than 60% of their games, which is crazy. Hasn't been a significant lead in most of those, but they have had leads at 20. You know, they've had a little bit of trouble closing games out. Uh, they've had a few throws. But I think, like, the most interesting thing here is they've had a ton of quality losses. And if you look, like, they do a really good job of keeping games close through the mid-game. They only have like a minus 600 goal differential through 20 minutes, which shows you that like, yeah, they're carrying small leads through 20 or small deficits through 20. So they play a lot of coin flip games, a lot of games with with parity, right? And a team like that makes an interesting case as an underdog. In most cases, they're going to be good against the kill spread when they're huge dogs. They're going to be good against the maps where they're going to take maps because they're they're creating coin flip situations, basically. And, you know, despite tossing a few games, you know, that they probably should have won, I think if you look at, like, the games that this team should have won, there's a reasonable chance that this is, like, an above 500 team, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, they're not exactly blowing teams out, but they keep games close. They remind me a lot of – um, I'm trying to think of an example of this. Uh, they remind me a lot of, like – rare Adam two years ago in like 2021 2022 where like they would just they were they rarely ever got blown out early in games and they did a really good job of keeping games close 
And yeah, so that's LGD. Front Plus have been like the exact opposite. Front Plus are like the KT rollster of the LPL. Um, they win fast, they lose fast, or they win fast decisively, they lose fast and decisively. Um, they have a 100% quality win rate. Um, they're the only team in the world with that right now. Uh, they, every game that they win, they just completely dominate. And every game that they lose, they usually just get completely dominated. There, There is like two, maybe three, like, average looking games in their entire sample the rest of them are like all on the margins it's very very similar to kt rollster with high volatility teams like that you don't usually want to back them as favorites or small dogs you want to back them as big underdogs where the variants can work for you kind of like we've discussed with kt rollster fpx are interesting because like they've had a couple games where they like if they blow out a huge lead on you which they've done in a lot of their wins they can close the gap but they've had a couple games where they've blown out huge leads on people and just kind of like faltered in the mid game as well they've had a, a few games thrown as well on their side i think stylistically this is a very very tough matchup for fpx i think on paper a lot of people would look at this and be like oh yeah fpx like small favorites no way like absolutely but i mean even my models think that my models really like fpx just like they really like kt rolster because of you know the the good looks very good and it creates like a like a false median or false me uh, false mean rather not median, um, and that's like kind of the the way you grade here. So it's interesting, like they're they're an inch, those two team these two teams are very interesting to to handicap because I think there's a big qualitative angle to it, right? My models made this like minus two hundred plus one eighty, um, and FPX do have side choice, so like in most situations where I have a a a quote-unquote cheap favorite here, and they have side choice. I'm going to be hammering the favorite, but I'm not going to with FPX here. I'm actually going the other way. I'm going to play LGD in this match. I think LGD are good enough at playing, like, the mid-game control style of play. Like, they're really good at keeping games pretty close through 20 minutes, and FPX kind of need huge leads where they don't convert. Like, they don't convert on, on small to moderate advantages. They need huge leads early. And I don't know if they're going to get that in this series. LGD are very, very good. They, LGD probably should have 2 1 JDG, by the way. Like, I, I didn't even mention that yet. They won the first game straight up. Second game, they got blown out. But that was the first game all season long that LGD legitimately got blown out in the early game, which is incredible. And, like, the third game, I would argue they should have won the third game, too, against JDG. So I, I think LGD. I don't like that they don't have side choice for this, but I think FPX are volatile enough that if LGD can stall the game out, especially in game one, that they could be on their way to a 2-0 in this match. So I went against my models. I played LGD on the money line, plus 124 for one unit. LGD minus 1.5 maps at plus 133 for one unit. And um, I played the map one and map two over 24 and a half kills at plus 106 on both for one unit each. Premise there being that LGD tend to like aggressively trade um, cross map and, and kills. So they are okay. Like taking a death to get something else done on the map. And that's part of why they're so good at keeping things even early. LGD are a surprisingly like well-coached team. I'm, I'm honestly impressed. Cause like, I don't like this roster very much, um, outside of like high chow, who's been just excellent so far this season. Uh, and Bertol has been okay, I guess, but like they're a surprisingly well like well-coached team or they appear to be a well-coached team maybe it's not the coaching i don't know but 
I think LGD are like kind of the new rare atom where the market is just going to perpetually underrate them and they're probably just going to be a lot better than everyone seems to think. So yeah, those are the plays for this one. Uh, you could also play the time total over as a proxy for this, I guess, but I, I went with the kills over. Next up, we have Invictus Gaming, minus 159 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 188, plus 1.5 at minus 470 against Team WE, plus 131 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 234, minus 1.5 at plus 348. Uh, WE sticking with stay again. Uh, it appears that that might just be a thing. I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing, but, um, you know, Prince riding the pine, I suppose. Uh, models made this slightly closer than the market price, but when you factor in that Invictus have side choice, it's, you know, the market price is actually relatively close to where it should be. Um, Invictus, dominant victory over BLG, absolute shocker. I, I'm not surprised that, like, it was, com I was expecting it to be more competitive than the market thought it would, but nobody expected a 2-0. That was an absolute shocker. Leon in his first game in an IG uniform came in and just immediate impact. WE are coming off of beating <laughs> IG 2 the best team. WE are coming off of a 2 against EDG. So, yeah, opposite ends of the uh, spectrum coming into this here. Um, you know, it makes some amount of sense that the, the market reacted so strongly to that IG result. Anybody that's doing, like, an ELO-based model obviously gave a massive rating bump to Invictus uh, for that win because BLG carried a high rating, and it was a low rating that beat it, so you're going to have a huge... Um, you know, rating adjustment to that, where all WE, you more or less gain nothing from that win. Um, you have to keep that in mind, too. So, uh, really, I think a lot of this handicap comes down to whether or not you think this Invictus lineup change or, like, the coming off of the break or whatever was just a shot in the arm and they're a completely new team now, or if you think that was just kind of, you know, a flash in the pan, right? We've seen this a number of times before, especially with the bottom half teams that, like they just have like a series or two where they look incredible and you can get juked pretty easily in this league with how inconsistent some of these teams are. I absolutely loved the Leon edition, but this is a really, really aggressive adjustment off of one result. Like if you take the BLG, I'm actually just going to do this live on air again. I, I said yesterday, I don't like doing arithmetic or I don't like doing stuff live on the air if I can help it. But if you literally, if you just like take the BLG game out of the sample for this, like, if you take that match out of the sample, then WE should be favored here. But, like, not big favorites, but they should be, like, minus 120 favorites, right? Now, obviously, you can't just do that because, you know, the beating BLG is not a joke. That team looked like one of the best teams in the world right now. So, you know, it's important to keep that in and factor that in. But um, Invictus, beside that, have been kind of a meh team. They're kind of like they're they're beating the teams that they should. They've beaten all the bottom of the table. Um, their their most impressive win to me outside of the BLG one was right before the break against RNG where they won two one. But even in that match, like they should have lost really all three of those games. They ended up do, mounting comebacks in games two and th really that should have been a two zero. Like RNG were up like three k at twenty minutes, twenty five hundred. Uh, really, they were up like forty five hundred at fifteen minutes in that first. Uh, in that game two and you know they were up a, a non-trivial amount in game three as well and Invictus just kind of like turned the, if anybody remembers that match that was like an absolute clown fiesta of a series but really RNG should have 2 would me we're not having this conversation but um you know they've strung together some momentum here I don't know what to make of it but 
I don't know, WE and WE have have been kind of like slightly underwhelmed on my expectations personally. But um I think a lot of this handicap basically just boils down to do you think what you're seeing from Invictus is real or do you think that was just a flash in the pan? Like that's really all this comes down to. If you think what we saw was just lightning striking, then you know I think WE are actually worth a play here. The model actually thinks WE are worth a play here as well. Um, I'm staying away from this because I don't really know what's real or not. And I think this is like one of those cases where like, no matter what side you choose, you could look like an idiot or a genius in two weeks. Like, you know, in two weeks from now, if Invictus go on a little bit of a winning streak here and they all of a sudden look great with Leon, you're going to be like, wow, we got minus one, 160 against team WE. We feel like idiots. And then the opposite could happen. If they turn back into a pumpkin, we're like, wow, we got WE at pl- we got a playoff team in WE at plus money against a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs. Wow, we're idiots. You know, so no matter what you do, you're going to look stupid in this one. I'm not going to play anything. And, you know, I'm not going to play any of the derivatives for similar reasons because, like, I just don't know what we're looking at quite yet. Um, so, yeah, lean WE, but no play from me in this one. The last match on Friday is... LNG Esports, plus 192 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 173, minus 1.5 at plus 540. Against Top Esports, minus 239 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 142, plus 1.5 at minus 800. Um, this is an absolute nightmare stylistic matchup for um, for LNG. Uh, top Esports have been... I mean, top esports right now are approaching damn on 2020 levels of statistical performance. They're grading out better than JDG at their peak last year. Um, Billy Billy were as well. It's actually kind of incredible that we got two teams off the bat. Obviously, it's very early on. We're only four weeks into the season. A lot can change, but uh, worth noting uh, just the level that those two are at right now. You know, I talked about this in the last top esports match, but um, teams that can jump out to a lead, like a significant lead consistently in the current metagame are very few and far between. There's like a handful of teams in the world that are doing that with any consistency right now. And th- I'm talking about like even other good teams are having a lot tougher of time doing that. And top esports have been doing that almost better than anybody. Um, one of the best early game grades in the world right now. Uh, LNG are a bottom five early game team. So that's why I say it's a stylistic nightmare for them. LNG's macro has been kind of a mess too. You know, for a team with this much experience and this many veterans on it, you would think that, you know, they they have their shit together more in that aspect, but they just straight up haven't. Um, I, I actually, it's wild to say this because I, I think this team's eventually going to be good once they figure it out. And LNG also has side choice for this match. But I went, I went double stake on top esports. I think you just don't want to get in the way of this freight train right now. Um, they looked great coming out of the break too in their first game off the New Year, so I don't think there's any rust on that end either. And it was against a good opponent. Um, top esports money line minus two thirty nine two units. Top esports minus one point five maps plus one forty two for one unit. Um, I think LNG just have a lot of things to figure out right now, and you know, outside of a little bit of a sense of buying the top here with top esports. I I just think they're they're they look like the best team in the LPL at the moment. So uh, yeah, just I think don't overcomplicate this. I think top. Or, I mean, my models for what it's worth, the models made top esports minus nine forty eight in this contest. That's a little extreme, but um, again, stylistic mismatch, brutal matchup for LNG. I also played alt kill total overs in this one. I played the map one and map two over twenty four and a half kills at plus one thirty six for one unit each. Um, LNG have been an under team, but Top have been a very like a definitely been an over team. They they have 0.898 combined kills per minute, 
in a very short game time. Um, that's absolutely nuts for this era of League of Legends, at least in the East. Um, and I think LNG might be a bit chippier and willing to fight, just out of necessity because they see what Top's doing. I think they might have to try to match them early and or just get completely steamrolled. Now, that said, I, st- I, think, I still think LNG are just going to get completely steamrolled. They just look out of sorts right now, and Top are in good form, and that's all this is. It looks a little funk. Like, if you told me before the season I'd be doing this, I would have called you crazy, but... Um, top have just looked good. I don't know what else to say. So I like top esports. LNG in the past have actually struggled against good early game teams too. Like with this lineup, even without uh, before the the switch up, um, the mo- the core of this team stayed the same. So and they struggle with the early game teams in the past. They've been kind of like a slow and steady, like mid range control y kind of team. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I think top steamroll. That's gonna be it for me today. I will see you guys tomorrow.